Turn with me, if you would, if you have your Bibles, to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. I personally think the interpretation Pastor Todd gave when he opened up. So, sitting there wondering what's going on. There you go. That was, I believe that. So, amen. And we said before on a Wednesday night, I'm pulling back from interpreting this as a congregation. This is house business, so if you're a stranger, just bear with us. As a Pentecostal people, it's never good to have a one-man show. We need to pray that we can interpret. We all need to do our part. The Bible says if you speak in a tongue and there's not a quick interpretation, you begin to pray that you might interpret. And we all want to move into that. Personally, I think the anointing was there. Uh, that, was, that wasn't just him rehashing a devotional. That was out of the spirit, and I really believe. So that's kind of, that's my spin. It was all good. It was all edifying, and it was all encouraging the people of God. Amen? Amen. All right, let's keep going. Matthew 14, let's look at this. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. I want to talk this morning about five thoughts about the storms of life. Have you ever gone through a storm? Someone says, are you kidding? In spades, brother. Are you kidding? Matthew 14 in verse 22. The Bible says immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, don't, don't, don't take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. And Peter replied, Lord, if it's you. Tell me to come on the water. Jesus said, come. And then Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on the water. And he came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, Lord save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. We're going to spend a few minutes this morning, five thoughts about the storms of life. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the stories that so relate to the real life that we live and the world that we live in. And we pray that you would help us to glean from this, this powerful story of so long ago, but take these principles and apply them to the now of our lives that we might walk the, the, the faith walk of victory and overcoming in Jesus' name. And everyone said, this experience of the disciples in the storm can be really an encouragement and an education. To us, when we go through the storms of life, as we know it's not a, a when, you know, it's not an if, it's a when. We're going to go through them. And so the background here is very simple. John the Baptist had died. He was that mighty prophet and Jesus' cousin. He was murdered. He was beheaded by wicked King Herod for preaching the word of the Lord. 
And so Jesus hears the news and he wants to get away. He's, he, it's, it's overwhelming. Even Jesus, he was just like us. He had emotions. There was a loss. He wanted to get away. But the Bible says the multitudes followed him. And so when he saw the multitudes, he's filled with compassion. He heals them. He feeds them. They're in a remote place and it's 5,000 just men. In fact, it was such a powerful service, they wanted to make him king. So Jesus immediately sends the disciples away so they don't get caught up in the hoopla. It wasn't time for him to be crowned king. And then he sends the crowds away, and then Jesus himself tries to get away, and he does. And he goes up to the mountain and he prays. And after a few hours of prayer, he looks down from the mountain and he sees the disciples. And they're struggling, and they're straining, and the wind is against them, and they're in a storm that he sent them to. Now, the Bible, in the Bible, we see different types of storms. The two most basic storms are the storms of correction and storms of perfection. Correction is when God disciplines us. Example, Jonah. When God disciplines us, we've left the way and he wants to get us back on track or he wants to teach us and change your behavior pattern, and there are storms of correction, but then there are storms of perfection. When God is developing us, and He's helping us to grow, and He's allowing the storm to work a deeper work in our hearts, the disciples were in a storm because they obeyed Jesus. In a storm so the Lord could test them and instruct them, deepen them, and develop them. Mature them in their faith. So this morning, five things about the storms of perfection. My focus is on storms of perfection. If you're in a storm of correction, well, get it right. Repent. Make the Get it right. But I'm talking this morning about storms of perfection. Number one, I want you to notice the timing of the storm. The timing of the storm. This terrible storm comes immediately following the powerful experience of feeding the 5,000. It was after a great victory. Think about it. They have been having heaven on earth. I mean, it was camp meeting glory. It was one of those things you're going to tell your kin about 30 years down the road. There were miracles. There was such praise. They're getting ready to make Jesus king right now. And then the disciples actually participate. They weren't just spectators. They participate in the feeding of the 5,000. And that was not a common miracle, not even in the ministry of Jesus. That was a unique miracle, something they'd be talking about. 30 years from now, they're going to be telling their grand, I was there when He took the loaves. I mean, this was a special event. So then in obedience to the command of Jesus, they're still talking about the great things that they had just seen, they had just experienced, a storm struck. Have you ever been there? Someone says, I'm there now. <laughs> well, you're in the right place then, aren't you? Amen. I mean, they went from camp meeting glory to the wind was against them. And they're rowing um, one row forward, two. Oh, my Lord. Who sent us here? Jesus did. Oh, my. I can't blame. I can't yell at him. If it had been John, I would have said, hey, John, what's wrong with you? Couldn't you read the stars? Didn't you know a storm was coming? Where were you? Then you go like this and tell the wind was going to get worse. But when Jesus sends you, what can you do? There's a storm of perfection. Trying to perfect me. Trying to mature me. Trying to develop me. Isn't that right? You don't build them biceps by, by looking at the dumbbell. You gotta lift that dumbbell, dumbbell. No, you gotta lift that thing. You, 
You don't develop faith and perseverance and patience by merely reading about it, singing about it. You've got to endure some stuff and you've got to press through some things and you've got to, oh, help us, Lord. It pays to live ready spiritual lives. Can you say amen? It pays and it's worth it to live prepared. For the storms of life. And, and that's why again and again in the Scripture, the Bible calls us to live alert and ready and watchful. Stay filled with the Word and the Spirit. Stay fervent in our devotion to the Lord. Stay pure and consistent in our lifestyle. Jesus is teaching. Class is still in session. And listen, folks, we need to stay ready. Because of the timing of the storm. The fact of the matter is, we don't know when Jesus might decide to test us. We don't know when Jesus just might return. We don't know when the enemy will assault us. We don't know when an opportunity will open before us. How many times in Scripture, I mean, Jesus said, watch and pray. He says, watch and be alert. You don't know the hour. Paul was able to say, Make the most of every opportunity. Redeem the time. Stay ready. Stay ready. Peter said, listen, your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for some. Stay ready. Stay alert. Because God's timing is not our timing. We must, we have no other choice but to live ready and steady and sincerely before God. You can take a vacation in the natural, but you can't take one in the Spirit. So the timing of the storm... It's after a great victory. You've got to guard yourself even after victories. That's sometimes when we let down, don't we? That's sometimes when we then, whoo, and then boom. The timing of the storm is after a victory, and it was after they obeyed Jesus. Now, I know when I'm being a little stubborn, it doesn't surprise me when, you know, all right, Lord, uncle, 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 I don't know, you told me three times I should have obeyed, you know. But, but, but when, I, when I obey him, I'm expecting that mountain to move. I'm expecting that thing to go into the depths. Of, I don't know about you. I'm expecting Jericho to go down. And sometimes I march and it don't budge. In fact, it don't budge. They throw things at me from the walls. And I get from obeying. Oh, Lord. The timing of storms. And now the trouble with storms. Storms all. Have you noticed that storms have troubles? <laughs> Where do we begin? Someone said that's a series all by itself. The trouble with storms. Everybody can write their own message there. I think the first trouble with the storm is you and I are not in control of the storm. And most of us like to be in control of everything. Anybody? Yeah, I like to be in control of everything. Me and you. I mean, we're not in, in, the, in the trouble with storms. We're not in control. I'm not in control of the nature of the storm, the duration of the storm, the timing of the storm, the intensity of the storm. It's like you feel like, Lord, would you mind coming back a little later? I got some monkey bread in the oven. Can I I put this storm off for the weekend we got graduation to go to? Would you mind? Uh, I have a vacation. No, no. How many of the storms don't work like that, do they? Trouble with storms. Trouble with storms. And most of us, the question we like to ask God real quick, how long, Lord? Now I can't avoid it. How long do I got to put up with it? I want someone to know this morning it shall pass. Don't ever forget it shall pass. 
Think back if you can to some bad storms you've been through. And they passed, and this one shall pass. So if you're going through one today, it shall pass. Hang in there. God hasn't missed a thing. His grace is sufficient. It, it shall pass. It shall pass. It shall pass. And so often we say, Lord, how long? And it's if the Lord speaks to us and says, ah, listen, I'm in control. My grace is sufficient. So just keep rowing. Oh, I don't want to hear that. Amen. I want a word. Yea, saith the Lord. The skies are going to open. The sun's going to shine. And you're going to be on the other side. And instead he says, just keep rowing. How long? Don't worry about it. Just keep rowing. Remember, this is a storm of perfection. I'm trying to develop you. I'm trying to mature you. I'm trying to bring you to another level of faith and maturity. We ask ourselves, in this storm, uh, uh, am I in God's will? And if I'm in God's will, then the only answer is keep on rowing. Keep on rowing. Keep on singing. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Keep on straining at those oars, declaring because He lives, we're going to face tomorrow. Confess with your mouth that the battle is the Lord and His grace is sufficient. And believe in your heart that He that hath begun a good work in me, He's going to finish it. I'm going to row and I'm going to keep on rowing. And if you'll do that, you allow the resistance that's trying to overwhelm you and deflate you and to defeat you to actually deepen you and develop you and perfect you into a greater measure of the image of Jesus Christ. Why is it that some can be in the church so long and grow so little spiritually? I don't mean head knowledge. You can have an unbeliever sit around long and head knowledge. It's not that complicated head-wise. I've known sinners that knew theology better than saints. They've been around it. They knew it. But I'm talking in the maturity of the Spirit. In the conforming into His image. One of the reasons is we don't recognize that storms are one of the key ways that God schools us. And God works in us. And God makes us more like His only begotten Son. And it's only if we keep rowing that we enable the Spirit to have the fullness of its work within us. It's as I row that I'm considering it joy, recognizing the testing of my faith. The storm that is against me is actually causing me to persevere. But as I persevere in faith, it matures me and it completes me and it develops me and it takes me to a greater level on one hand of Christ-like development. It takes me to another level of Joe dying to Joe. Storms have more than one purpose. We just want, how long can I get out of it? I don't like it anymore. That's the trouble with storms. Forget we don't, the timing. We don't, we're not in control of them. Don't let the storm throw you off your spiritual game. Make the determination. I'm going through it. I will glorify God in it, and I choose to grow because of it. I didn't ask for it, but if it's part of heaven's curriculum, then I choose to pass the test, learn the lesson, and advance to the next grade. Who wants to go to the next grade? Anyone? 
I don't want to go to summer school. I summer school. I'm not that. And I certainly don't want to take algebra no more. Don't care what X is. Don't care what Y is. I want to leave it. I want to leave geometry. I don't, I'm obtuse. I feel obtuse. All the, I want to go. I want to pass it and move on. Can you say amen? Some people are very petty. Get over your pettiness. Because if not, God's just going to bring petty people into your life forever. My Lord, just get over it. And you'll be amazed how many few you have to deal with. Why? Why? God said, well, you pass the test. Once you pass algebra, I don't make you repeat. You pass it. When God smacks me, I said, Lord, I don't want to go through this again. So teach me. Help me. Forgive me. I'll just repent of everything. I'll make up things. I'll say, Lord, I'm going I'm to play it safe. I'll play it safe, Lord. Forgive me. I don't know if I did anything wrong, but if I did, Lord, wash me, cleanse me, scrub me, whatever. But please, Lord, don't make me go through that again. The trouble with storms. I think the greatest trouble is we're not in control of them. But there's also, very often, endurance, faith, determination are required for both the situation and the solution. Think about it. The situation and the solution. The storm itself and the answer that's going to ultimately get me out of this thing. Some, some stay in the situation because they're unwilling or don't like the solution. For example... Man's hanging on the ledge. He's got a hold of that limb. It's a long way down, long way down. You can see in your mind the little pebble. It's down there. He cries, oh God, help me. And he hears the voice of God. Son, I love you. I'm there for you. Just let go and I'll catch you. Well, he looks back down, looks back up, looks back down. Doesn't see any giant hands down there. Don't see any angels, um, you know, flying around, getting ready. He looks down again, looks up, <clears throat> clears the throat. Hey, um, is there anyone else up there I can talk to? I don't like my situation. I'm not crazy about the solution. That's where people get stuck. Tell your neighbor, don't get stuck. The situation itself demands my faith. Now, we've already settled the fact this is a storm of perfection. It's not a storm of, of correction. If we're, we're, we're not in sin. We, we've dealt with that. We're, we're dealing with those that we're like the disciples. We're in obedience to God. We're doing what He's called us to do. He knew it was coming. He allowed it to come. But His intention was that the storm would perfect me, deepen me, develop me, mature me, teach me, instruct me, and make me more like Jesus. So the storm itself is a challenge. But oftentimes the solution, oh, oh, oh. God says do this and you, I don't want to do that. God says deal with that, I don't want to deal with that. And you're stuck, and you're stuck. See, storms, the trouble with storms. Oh, Lord. See, God, God, listen, He not only writes the test, He grades the test. I wish I could grade the test. I'd give myself a nice curve every time. Amen. A nice one. I put a smiley face on there. Amen. Great job. Wonderful to have you in class. Oh, hallelujah. 
God's never been that kind. He'll look and say, grow up. God will speak to me. Years ago, and I actually had a commute from my house to a church, and, and I drive back after a bad day, after a rough day, and I just hear the still small voice, and he's not soothing me. He's saying, well, son, it's time to practice what you preach. Oh, God, didn't want to hear that one. I want to hear, yay, I will fight the battle for you. So God said, no, time for you to practice what you preach. You just preached on it last week. Go, go, go get your own notes. And Oh, Jesus. The storm and the solution. You see, the situation and the solution. The situation, remember now, the boat is made to float. Revelation never stops here, does it? The boat is designed to float. And often the storm, the storm's not really the problem as much as my response to the storm. I I read a story some years ago. Dr. Tony Evans, he, he took his ministry supporters on a ministry cruise to Alaska. And he tells the story that a terrible storm broke out. I mean, waves and squalls up to 40 foot high. He says, we're on a cruise liner. It's being tossed around like a tin can. And then we find out, or he says, my wife found out. He goes, then my wife finds out that the captain knew the storm was coming, but he had paying customers on the other side, so he plugged the head through anyhow. That's all she could handle. I mean, plates are going over. People are, you know, they're losing everything. And, and, um, and she gets on the phone and tries to get a hold of the captain. Well, obviously, the operator is not going to put her through to the captain. He's kind of busy at that moment. But she did relay the message. So the, the assistant, you know, the, the second deck or whatever, and he calls back says, Ma'am, um, I, I brought your complaint to the captain. And she just vented a bit. I don't understand why he would put us through this knowing the storm is coming. You ever want to ask the Lord that question? Sure you do. I do. A couple times a day. And the captain gave two answers. The assistant said, the captain wanted me to relate two things to you. Number one, the captain said, go to sleep. You can go to sleep as he's staying up. You can't do anything in your cabin. But he's going to do everything by steering. The captain is staying up so you can go to sleep. But the second thing is, ma'am, this ship was built with this storm in mind. This ship was made to take the storm. This ship was built to endure and then some this storm. The captain said, I know it looks bad, but when we built this boat, we knew this day was going to come out here on this water, and we've already taken it into consideration. The storm did not take us by surprise, and though it's inconvenient, and though it's rough, and though it's difficult, you can go to sleep because the boat can handle the storm. And I don't know what you're going through. But when you came to Jesus, you were made to handle anything that would come your way. Whatever you're going through, the thought we have as believers is that in Jesus Christ, He knows all things and He made me to endure. He made me to persevere. He has given me the ability to handle and go over anything that would try to hinder me and sink me and keep my back from God's intended destiny. The situation. Because I have to remember that 
in the situation, as long as that stays on the outside and doesn't get on the inside, I'm going to be okay. Boats only sink when what's on the outside gets on the inside. And you can walk through it, and it won't win unless it gets in you, in me, in your conversation, in your reasoning, in your attitude, in your thinking, in your outlook, in your sleep, in your speech. The first sign of going down. The first sign of losing it in the storm is when you allow the things on the outside of your ship to get on the inside. Whether it's fear or despair, whether it's anger or doubt, bitterness or nerves, jealousy. How do we keep it out? Well, one of the ways we keep it out is by pitching the boat. Reinforcing. I got on TV those super sealants. Reinforcing the places where the water tends to seep in. What are you talking about? My heart. My mouth. My mind. My movement. The Bible says guard your heart. Guard your heart. There's no more important time to guard your heart than when the waves are crashing and the lightning is flashing and you're wondering how long, Lord. And God says guard your heart. Your heart wants to say why, Lord. Your heart wants to accuse God. Guard your heart. For God will be the strength of your heart and your poor. Guard your heart and let the Word abide within it. The Word that assures you that weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming. The, the Word that assures you that His grace is sufficient for you. Guard your heart and, and harness your mouth and watch your words. Don't confess your fears, but confess God is good and God is in control and God is going to bring me through this thing and God will be all that He's promised to be in me even though I can't understand it and I'm just moving on fumes right now in my, my heart, in my mouth, in my mind, renewing the mind and taking those thoughts captive. Remember that I have to continue to roll and believe, and to walk with God, and not curl up into a ball in which life would pass me by. As long as that which on the outside of the ship doesn't get on the inside of the ship, you can grow through some real nasty stuff and be more than a conqueror. This, oh, you're in it. It doesn't get in you, and that makes all the difference. Remember that you can go through it without it going through you. The situation here is the storm. And the storm demands that we keep rowing, that we keep enduring, that we keep trusting and looking to Jesus. But the solution, now the solution comes in at first that they're very frightened. They see Jesus and they think He's a ghost. And sometimes, well, you got a problem. You come in, what should I do? This is what you should do about it. I don't want to do that. What's the Bible say? I don't care what the Bible says. You ever say, I don't care what the Bible says? Maybe not verbally, but in your heart. Are you kidding me? We don't like the storm, but I don't like the solution. Mm. I don't like this, but I'm not willing or I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of that. Again, it's like being on the 10th floor of a burning building. Fireman says, jump! He's not one of these ladders all the way up. It's one of these, you know, you can barely see them. They look like ants down there. And they got three guys like this uh, with a circle and a circle. And you hit the bullseye and you look down and say, now we really got problems. Amen. 
You're afraid of both the storm and the solution. Sometimes there's not a lot of time to deliberate. Stay and burn. Jump and maybe you'll live. Sometimes God is hard to recognize in the storm. Think about it. Because of the pressure, because of the opposition, because of the distraction, because of the stress, my my vision can get blurred. My hearing can get hindered. There's an interference in the spiritual receptivity. Decision-making gets hard when I'm rowing. And it seems like I've been rowing all night and haven't even gone half a mile. My courage gets weak because fatigue makes cowards of us all. I think Lombardi said that. When I'm nervous, I can't focus. You ever see someone nervous? That's when you want to go... can't focus. You don't think straight. That's why when you come out of things, you look back sometimes and say, why in the world did I do that? Well, because those things got on the inside and they began to affect your ability to see and to reason and to think and to stand and to abide. When I'm tired, it's hard to believe. When I'm tired, it's easy to complain. It's hard to believe. Anybody else? Don't look so holy out there. I live with you all. Come on, say amen. (laughs) You better believe it. They had just left Jesus. They had just partnered with Jesus to perform one of the greatest miracles in the Scripture. And now they can't see Him. Now they can't recognize Him. These men lived with Him. They knew Him. They slept with Him. They ate with Him. They left Him and now they can't recognize Him. But thank God He's coming. But thank God He's calling. But thank God He draws near and speaks that word. Somebody hang in there. He's coming. Hang in there and keep rolling. Jesus is drawing. Hang in there. He's in control. You're in His care. Number three, the testing of the storm. The testing of the storm. We recognize that there is a test in every storm. And there is an opportunity in every trial. There is a test in every storm. There is an opportunity in every trial. Regardless now of who the author is. Regardless of who the author is. Because there's different authors of storms. But regardless, just for our sake here. Regardless of the author, there is a test in every storm. But there's an opportunity in every trial. And Peter has to make a decision... Will I leave the comfort and security of the boat and step out on the water? Totally trusting, totally depending on the Lord and His Word. I have to respond or or ignore the Word. And the decision to grow. The decision to advance and go into new places. New territories with God. New depths and dimensions of intimacy with God and transformation to be like God. The decision to grow and advance always offers a choice of risk versus comfort. I was thinking about little Jade earlier. I knew she was singing, but I forgot. But I was just thinking um, how a couple, two, three years ago, the first time, a little nervous, little. And now she belted it out. So beautiful. If you never risk anything, you're not going anywhere with God. 
You got to risk it. You got to risk it. You see, you, 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 get, you can't play it safe and expect to go anywhere in the things of God. You got to risk it. You got to step out and go. You got to step out and give it. Oh, and you see, Peter, Peter could have stayed with the rest of the. No, 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 no. The decision to grow in advance always offers a choice of risk and comfort. You cannot always play it safe if you're going to advance in the things of God. You see, we, we can't grow living in the comfort zone. Because the ways of God, follow it. Well, we can go to Abraham, we, we, we can go to Moses, to Joseph, just David. Follow them all. The ways of God. God brings me to a place actually where I'm uncomfortable that He might make me and mold me and prune me and polish me and teach me. And it's as I respond to His Word in the midst of the testing that I step into a new place, that I advance into a new dimension. And the true tests of God always stretch us in one way or the other, demanding of us. But when that opportunity comes, let me encourage you, don't allow fear or timidity, a past failure, an insecurity to keep you from God's best. Because I declare to you this morning, there is more, there is more. There is much more God desires to bless and bring His people into There's more growth. There's more fruitfulness. There's more goodness. There's more experience. There's more to embracing God. God has bought it. God has ordained it. God has designed it. God has more for you. So don't let that opportunity pass. Don't let it pass. Don't let it pass. Press into it. Respond to the Word of the Lord when you're in them. Don't do this. No, 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 no. You're rowing. You're rowing. Hear ye the Word of the Lord. And whatever He says, unto you, do it. Or you'll never walk on the water. Or you'll never come into that new place in God. There was the time, there was the trouble, there was the testing. Very quickly, there was the tragedy. The tragedy. The eleven disciples never got out of the boat. Uh, Eleven heard the word, but they had no desire to respond to the word. Eleven others had the opportunity to experience Jesus in a greater way. To have their faith brought to a new dimension. They weren't even going to try. Sometimes, listen folks, sometimes, if you want all of God, and if you're content, it's not for you, but let me talk to two or three people. When you want all of God, you have to be willing to say like Peter, I'm with them, but I'm not of them. I want more, Lord. I'm willing to give you more, and I want more, and I'm stepping out for more. This is called hungering and thirsting. I know we don't hear that so much, but when you hunger and thirst, you're willing to leave everyone else aside and say, Lord, whatever it takes. The tragedy. And finally, the triumph. The triumph of the storm. When you and I respond properly, The storms that hell might have sent to defeat you. The storms that the enemy is meaning to overwhelm you will actually bring us to a place of knowing our Lord better and sweeter than ever before. Will actually bring us to a place of newness and closeness with our Lord. Allow us to get deeper 
in the faith and steadier in knowing in whom we have believed in. And so Peter hears the voice. And then Peter says to the Lord, it's amazing, he hears, be not afraid, it's I. And you can see them in the boat. I can see John hitting Peter saying, hey, you think that's him? And Peter looks down, there's only one way to tell, I know how. Hey, Lord, if that's you, just give me the word. And Jesus responds, come. Peter saying, Lord, if you command me to come, then I can come. Lord, if you call me, then I know you'll enable me. Lord, if it's you and you speak that word, then that's all that matters. That's the most important thing in life. Is it you, Lord? Because if it's you, we're going to make it. If it's you, your grace will be sufficient. If it's you, you'll give me strength where I'm weak. You'll give me wisdom where I'm dull. You'll help me. You'll protect me. You'll provide for me. The most important thing, Lord, is it you? Because if I step out on my word or I step out on your word, if I step out on a made-up word, I sink like a, well, you know, a lead balloon or something. But on the word of the Lord is where growth comes and great experiences are enjoyed. And entering in to new seasons of being used of God and walking with God. In the sports world, they'll say it was uncontested. The layup was uncon... No one's tried to stop them. I want you to know, for those that care, your growth in God will always be contested. Hell will try to contest your growth constantly. There might be some here today that, that you haven't been water baptized. Even now, part of you saying, I would obey the Lord. Other parts saying, ah, who cares? Yeah, it don't matter now. And there's always something that's contesting your obedience. Always something. I say, man, this boat's pretty secure. Don't know about them waves. Suppose that really wasn't him out there. Pete, you go ahead and try it first. <laughs> Give it to Mike to heal anything. Amen. And Peter says, Peter says, Lord, if it's you, <laughs> make sure you get a clear word. But once you know it's God, go, 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 go. So Peter, Peter says, and then Peter responds, Jesus said, come. And Peter, not only does he say, now Peter steps. The blessings of God, the victories in God, demand cooperation and participation with God. Notice that Peter, number one, he doesn't move until Jesus says, come. That's good. That's important. But then once Jesus does say, come, the word of God alone was not enough. The word of salvation goes forth constantly. The word of baptism and receiving goes forth constantly. The word is not enough. There had to be the response of faith that brought forth a miracle. The demand of our response, our action, do something with the word you have received. Do something with the word. The Spirit has spoken to your heart. Peter hears the word. And the beautiful thing is Peter responds with a daring obedience. He swings those ten and a half over and he begins to walk. See, God's word does not negate my faith. 
God's Word is actually called into urging on, demanding my response and my participation that the miracle will take place. Peter says, and Peter steps, and then, uh uh-oh, Peter sinks. You see, faith Some have never gotten out of the boat. I mean, really stepping out into a place that really stretches your faith. Some them. Some by nature are very timid. Some just, you know. Others, others, actually you can relate to Peter more than most people imagine. But you have stepped out of the boat. And unfortunately, you know what it is when the waves began to distract and the slipping and the sinking began. I mean, if we are honest, those of us that can say, I have gotten out of the boat a time or two. We wish the story sometimes would stop there with Peter walking. But it goes a little further. Peter begins sinking. And sometimes that experience alone, the enemy, it's almost like that gets locked into our memory banks. And the Lord would try to remind you this morning, that's not where that story ended. The story ended why before you sank. You might have began to sink. Peter began to sink, but he didn't complete the sinking because as soon as he cried out, the hand of God was there. The Lord would say to you, if you're burnt, but you said you've tried it one time and it was near disastrous. God says the devil is a liar and my call is still upon your life and my desire for you is still for greater and grander things. But you're going to have to hear my word and you're going to have to respond to my word and you're going to have to overcome that fear that says you'll sink again. You shall not sink. You shall overcome. You shall not wear out for my strength will be sufficient for you. Whatever the word is, I am faithful for my commandments are my enablement. If I said it, I'll do it. If I spoke it to you, I'll bring it to pass for you. I'm asking for you to step out and fix your eyes on me and walk towards my Word and stand on my Word. And if you stumble, that same hand that lifted you up years ago, it'll be there. It won't let you go. It'll lift you up somebody. The same God that called you out is the same God that has power to lift you up and keep you singing. Somebody say amen. Because after he sinks, he's saved. Many a time would I have sunk if it hadn't been for the Lord in that hand that was there. He began to sink, but Jesus was there. And God knows how to show up before you sink. You know, we love, we love the verse from Psalm 37, the steps. Of a good man, a word of the Lord. And we like that one? We forget the next one. Go ahead and give him the next one, Jenny. Steps of a good man, a word of the Lord. Though he fall. If you have ever fallen, you lying. Though he fall. Ooh, ooh. Now, if you're going to fall, that means you're trying. Isn't that right? God try. God try. Isn't that right? I tried singing one time. Really, I did one time. Outdoor meeting. I wasn't that crazy. I did outdoor meeting. It so scared me to death. Me and a buddy of mine, another boxing buddy. We're young guys. And people need the Lord. Remember that song? We did a duet. Me and my buddy, we did a duet. The last time I ever sang. But anyhow, I mean, I, I tried it. I kind of sank. I, I don't think it didn't feel the hand of the Lord lift me up either. But that's another story. I mean, man's got to know his limitations. Isn't that right? Amen. 
But hey, you, you fall, but you try. And God wants you to enjoy more of Him. God wants you to press out and be more fruitful in your life. God wants you to embrace the promise. God has ordained it. God has designed it. God has bought it on the cross. God has desired it in His heart. So when you're in a place of testing, or maybe you're just in a good season of life, and like Abraham, things are going well, and things are comfortable, and things are blessed, but out of nowhere, you didn't ask for it, nobody stirred it up, but God Almighty said, hey, follow me. I'm going to take you to a new day, and a new life, and a new blessing, and I'm going to use you in a new dimension. And Abraham began following, not knowing where he is going. And Abraham, he, he wasn't perfect. He's the father of us who believes. That's good because like him, we often, sometimes we do stumble. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Isn't that good to know? Why? For the Lord upholds him with his hand. As soon as Peter, the hand of Jesus. And then, you know what? They walk back to the boat together. See, don't let your last picture of Peter be sinking. It was walking. Him and Jesus right back. And then immediately there. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, storms, 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 storms. Oh, somebody, if you're in a storm, keep rowing, keep rowing, keep rowing. Jesus is drawing near. His word to you is be of good courage. Be not afraid. It is I. It is I. There is a purpose in this problem. (laughs) There is a reason for this storm. And if you'll allow me, I will use it to take you to a greater measure of grace, a greater place of knowing me, and a greater place of being usable that I might use your life to do marvelous things. Glory be to God. Amen. All right. Storms of life. We all go through them, can't avoid them. May we respond properly to them. Please stand with me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Isn't the Lord good? Oh, folks. That's it. We all go through storms. But as a Christian, make up your mind, Lord, I'm going to glorify you in this. And I'm going to grow through this. There is a test in every storm, an opportunity in every trial. And when we know that He sent us, when we know He's with us, then we can keep rowing and keep growing and keep looking to Jesus. And we know it's going to be all right. Be here today and for whatever reason you have not received Christ or your walk is starting to wear down and you're starting to stray. God calls you to respond to His grace. God calls you to come and make a fresh commitment. To give Him your life anew. You're here today and if you don't make some changes, you're going to go through a different storm. There's going to be a storm like Jonah. You're better off hearing the, the wooing and the loving warning of the Spirit. Watch that road. Watch that relationship. Change it now. Because if you don't, I love you too much just to watch you keep going. I have a fish with your name on it, 
And you don't want that storm. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, he loves you, he died for you, you need him. There's no other way to get to heaven but Jesus. There's no other way to get your sins forgiven, but he'll forgive your sins. And if you'll come, someone will pray with you and you can know your sins are forgiven. You can know that your name is in heaven. And you can begin to live for him and walk with Jesus. But if you're here today and you say, well, I've received the Lord, but you know in your heart you're drifting. You know in your heart there's things God is not pleased with. God in his loving mercy says, today, today, hear my voice. Today, turn from that. Today, change that. For if you don't, you don't want the storm of Jonah. You don't want the chastisement of the Lord. And then for the rest of us, um, if you're going through a storm this morning, maybe you just need to come and spend some time praying. Getting your focus restored, the storms get our focus and perspective out of whack. But also getting your strength renewed because storms exhaust us. The pressure, the weight, the fear exhaust us. So if you would like, when we begin to sing, if you'd like to come and just pray or have other people pray with you, you're invited. Church is a good place to get a refilling and a refreshing, to get back out there and keep walking the walk. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, O God, that you are with us in the storms of life. Father, help us to grow. Help us to learn and glorify, to please you in this storm. Father God, help us to keep rowing. Help us to keep serving. Help us to keep believing. Help us to keep trusting. Help us, Lord, to know that we know the storm shall pass and you will bring us through. And now, Father, at this altar, I pray for three specific things. Father, move powerfully by your Spirit. And number one, if anyone is thirsty, fill them. If there's anyone thirsty this morning for more of you, that you'd fill them as they look to you and call on you, you'd fill them. Secondly, if there's any hurting people, you'd heal them. Whether they're hurting physically, emotionally, oh God, as they'll draw near to you, you release streams of your healing virtue. If there's any thirsty, oh God, fill them. If there's any hurting, oh God, heal them. And if there's any that are weary, Lord, renew them. And strengthen them so they can get back in. In the name of Jesus. Oh God, Father, breathe your breath. Let your river flow. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. These altars are open. If you need to respond, don't you wait. Don't you wait. Respond of God speaking. Respond to the Lord. Respond to his word. If you need refreshing, if you need healing, if you need renewing, now's your time to come. If God's speaking to you about these different other storms and you need to make it right to avoid it, avoid it, take you the warning of the Lord and avoid it. Come, come in Jesus' name.